0: It is a morning, that's for sure, and I believe it's a good morning. Any day you wake up in God's world, it's a good morning. Amen? Amen. I know uh, that I was here not long ago, seems like it was just yesterday, uh, and I'm so thankful to be back so quickly, but uh, I don't want to wear out my welcome here, and so I'm going to take it easy on you all this morning for getting up early and, and being here. What, what time is uh, Sunday school starting? I'll ask somebody else next time. (laughs) All right. Jamie is wise, isn't he? Amen. Beyond his years. I want to try to begin our uh, series of messages uh, this morning with something that I believe is both timely and uh, I know that it is of great importance. We are experiencing something in America right now that... uh, I don't know if it has any precedence uh, at all. This is uh, new territory for many of us. And uh, I know I'm old enough to have seen uh, inflationary times and and troubled times and rumors of wars and all that sort of thing, and I know some of you are as well. But uh, there seems to be a, a, a lot of factors right now that are at least... Uh, sort of signaling that there's something coming our way that may not be uh, too, uh, might not feel so good, you know? Um, I'm trying to say this in a way where I don't start with everything negative in this meeting, but I'll just sum it up like this. When times are hard and deliverance seems like it's improbable, if not impossible, a lot of people have a proclivity to turn to something outside of themselves for help. And unfortunately, uh, we in America have started to do that by looking to what we think is prosperous and and something that has all the resources and provisions to keep us. And we seem to forget that we are a, a nation under God and we are Children of God, and as children of God, God will meet all of our needs. Amen? And you know what His Word says? Uh, according to His riches in heaven, that's the way He's going to treat us. And so I can tell you this morning without any kind of reservation that things may look bad right now, and it may look like famine is on the way, but we've been taught in the Word of God that the best time to sow sometimes is right in the middle of famine. And if churches today want to really reach the masses, there likely will not be a more opportune time than right now to do that. I read a statistic the other day that says that we are in the process of losing 25% of the churches in America because of what we've gone through pandemic-wise and also uh, some other factors that are more political than anything, and I won't approach those this morning. But nonetheless, we are... Uh, we're living in a very unusual time, and I, I don't think that even though it's unprecedented for us in some ways, that it would have been to those people in, in uh, the, the Old Testament era, and especially uh, those folks that were carried off down to Egypt, and, and uh, as a matter of fact, that's what we're going to focus on here today. Egypt in the Bible represents governmental power. And also protection, I might add. And throughout history, God evidently promoted that country to prominence in order to use it in the history of those people who he called his children, Israel. Egypt was always that place that seemed to factor into things. It's where they ran to when they weren't supposed to. And it was whom they depended on when really they should have been depending on Jehovah their God. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, we find these words. It says, And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Now, much later than this reference, Solomon was warned about accumulating chariots, Uh, like those folks found in Egypt. But he very quickly forgot and ignored the warning. And he wasn't the only one that got in trouble there in in Egypt. Uh, As a matter of fact, great kings of Israel turned to Egypt for protection often. And they would even hire Egypt's mercenaries to fend off those people that were coming against them. And if you're watching TV right now and seeing all of the, the inside stuff on on who is protecting who and how many countries they can get to come together to, uh, you know, to form coalitions and things like that. Sounds much like it did in the Old Testament days when they were depending always on Egypt to be that strong power that was going to somehow get them out of, of, of everything that they had found themselves in. Now, when Abraham later on makes his trip down to Egypt, God was silent. He didn't offer permission, nor did he offer prohibition. In fact, when his son Isaac determined to do the same thing, God did the opposite and quickly forbade him from going. He said, no, you don't go. But said all that to get to our text today, it's found in Genesis 26, 1 through 12, and the reading is a little bit long, but I think it's pertinent to understand what the word is trying to tell us here today. And so let's, uh, in honor of God's word, stand one more time today. I'll not get you again, I promise, until the invitation. The word says here, And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I will tell you of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you. And bless you, for unto you and your seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham your father. And I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give unto your seed all these countries, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments and statutes and laws... And Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She's my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at a window, and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife, And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she is your wife. And how did you say she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is this that you have done to us? One of the people might lightly have lain with your wife, and you should have brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all of his people, saying, He that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Now pay attention for just a moment to these next words. At the exact time when it did not appear that it could ever be fruitful, Isaac sowed in famine. We're in a famine right now. We're in a famine spiritually in our nation. You may not see it at this church. I know it's prospering. I pastor a church that's prospering, but I look around us and there are churches closing their doors. We've lost several of the churches in our association. Some of them have 10 to 12 people in them on Sunday morning. Not anything wrong with small groups, but that's not what God had envisioned for his church. There's a famine right now of the Word of God. And there's a famine of spirit in the churches of God. And now is not a time for us to start focusing on everything that's happening around the world and forget that God has put us here to sow. God has put us here to reap. He wants souls. He wants to see people change. He wants their lives to be changed. And you'll never do that trying to hoard up something for famine. Have you been to Walmart or one of those places lately and tried to figure out what has happened to saltine crackers? I looked. I didn't just look there. I went from store to store. I can remember not too long ago and I'm told it's coming again that I had to go and look for toilet paper. There's nothing more frustrating than standing in Walmart and staring at a big line of open shelves with nothing in them When there should be toilet paper there. Amen? Our daughter gifted us with a package of toilet paper and it was like gold. That's the mentality that people have when things begin to dry up. But God does not want us in that mentality where spiritual things are concerned or where his church is concerned because he died for the church and he intends for us to have a bountiful harvest. And the only way we can do that is learn to sow properly in famine. Let's pray together and then hopefully God will let me preach for a little while this morning. In Jesus' name, Lord, I come to you just now and I ask you, Father, to do something that only you can do. I am not a worthy vessel to even stand here this morning, certainly not capable in any manner on my own. All that I have I, I don't think it would suffice for anything here this morning, but Lord, you can deliver a message that will impact people's hearts, minds, and their lives, total lives. If you choose to, Lord, you can make this stammering, foolish man be able to sound in a way where it will be received and taken to heart and used to multiply your kingdom. And Father, that's why we're here. We're not here for... Just for fellowship, as much as I love these folks, Lord, it's not why I'm here today. I ask you, Father, that you would send revival, great revival, here to Ten Mile Church. That it would spread throughout the hills and the hollers all around here. And Lord, when it's all done, people would leave themselves saying, what in the world was that? That had to be God. So, Father, please, show up, show out, show us what you can do, what you want to do here today. And help us, Lord, to sow in time of famine. In Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Let me begin to try to preach this morning like this. None of us are where we are by accident. Now, you say that sounds a little bit Calvinistic, Brother John. Please don't misunderstand what I just said. That was not a Calvinistic statement. That was just a sovereignty statement. God knows everything about us. From the beginning to the end, he already has all the answers. So that means that we are not where we are by accident. We are not in the situation the world is in right now with a madman in Russia threatening nuclear warfare by accident. We are not in a nation that seems to be uh, in the midst of confused leadership by accident. All of it is purposeful. And if we'll, if we'll just think about that for a moment and say, okay, since it's not an accident, God must have intended for us to go through this. Now, here's the word of God again in the second, third, and fourth verse of what we just read. And the Lord appeared to him and said, go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I will tell you of. Sojourn in this land And I will be with you and bless you, for unto you and your seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto your seed all these countries, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed." Now, maybe I'm looking behind the scenes a little bit too much, but that sounds to me like God was saying to Isaac, Isaac, don't go to what you've always ran to before. Don't go where your people have always gone to for all of your needs and supplies. Don't go there. So right where you are, right here, right now, even though it's in famine even though it seems like there's no chance for the seed to come up, sow right now and you'll see a great harvest and you'll see countries, whole countries, that'll be occupied by Israel because of how strong your faith has been in your God. Now, God puts opportunity in unexpected places. I don't know if you know this or not, but we are a people who tend to give up when things look hard to us. We're getting more like that every day. I, 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 I fear that it's, we, we've not seen the end of it yet unless we have something that turns it around. But I want you to know that many times the greatest opportunities are in those places that we would run from. Let me explain what I mean. God does not always work in our comfort zone. He does not always decide to do what he's going to do in a place that we expect him to do it. God does things strange sometimes. And, and I, I chose that word carefully. It's strange. Nobody expects him to do what he does in some places. In a one month, exactly one month, I am going to retire again. And there's a young man who's going to come and take my place. I've been training him now for, I don't know, six months or so. And a dynamic young man. I I think the Lord has got the right person there. But you know what? I I was meeting with him the other day and, and trying to tie up loose ends and everything. And we were talking about the church that he was going to occupy and what it's like. And so he can look out there on Sunday morning and see a couple hundred people there right now and and, uh, and said, man, that's, you know, that in that area, that's a big church. The town's 700. Jake's been there. He can tell you that uh, the most exciting thing that ever happens is when one of the pit bulls gets loose. And uh, so it's that kind of place. You just have to be there to understand that. But nobody would have expected a church of 50 or 60 people at a max to... Be a church with, uh, right now the membership's somewhere around 350 or something like that. I don't don't know what it would be if pandemic wasn't going on, but I can tell you this right now, no one expected that. And the reason that it has been successful is because the sowing was done where nobody expected it to bring forth a harvest. How many of you have ever seen Faith Like Potatoes? Nobody. You need to get that little movie. It comes out of South Africa. I was there at the time that the movie was being made. It's about a South African man who is really a lay speaker, a great lay speaker, by the way. There have been hundreds of thousands of people saved while he's been speaking. But he talks about when they were planting potatoes in a time of famine. And everybody said he was crazy. There's no way that these potatoes are ever going to make anything because there's no water where you're doing it. It just ain't going to work. You know, just forget this. This is a waste. You might as well chop those things up and fry them. Amen. Don't just waste them by putting them in the ground. But sure enough, even though it seemed like it was an impossibility, those potatoes came up. The movie is awesome, and it's a true story, and it would be worth your time to watch. And, and I, I think it's still available. Uh, just uh, Google faith-like potatoes, and you'll find it, I believe. But the thing taught me something. It taught me that there was a great movement of God going on because somebody listen to God, and God said do it even though it does not sound like it's a wise thing right now. Sometimes people hoard toilet paper and saltine crackers because it looks like we better hang on to everything we've got or we're not going to have enough when the famine comes. When all the time God is saying plant some of that paper over here. You know, use it up. Do what you got to do. Don't worry about tomorrow. What you do instead is trust me. And I got news for you, friend. I still serve a God this morning who's able to meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory. All of your needs. There's nothing our God cannot do. So, so when it does not look like it's a proper or appropriate time. Whenever you feel like your head ought to be hung down because of all the conditions, instead of hanging your head down, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. Look Look up because the Lord is coming back. Amen. You ought to be an excited church. Even at this hour of the morning, you ought to be excited for what God is about to do with some people who will say it's famine, but we're going to sow it anyway. Amen. Ah, uh, You guys have forgotten. You still have a bell. <laughs> you, you took it away just for me. Jacob, <clears throat> You need to quit lying. It's not good for you and it's not good for nobody. All right? I wonder how many people have vacated a place or a position only to find out later that those who followed them were greatly successful there. All you have to do is just look around you especially in churches. And you will find many times people flee from a church. Pastors do this because they're saying there's no opportunity here. But friend, I got news for you. God doesn't know a thing about famine. There's never a place that God cannot work his mighty power and do it in ways that you would never suspect. Isaac had to resist the tendency to run away from conditions that were bad. Now, I'm convinced that bad conditions follow us when we run from them. They just seem to go where we go. I don't think y'all are listening to it. I see this a lot of times in relationships. Now, I don't want to upset anybody by these words, so if you're in the midst of a bad relationship right now, I don't know anything about it. Nobody's told me anything. But I see folks all the time that jump out of one bad situation immediately right into one that looks just like it. Do you know why? Because when you don't stand and, and believe God to start with, that situation follows you everywhere you go. I've seen folks who said, you know what? My boss is so unreasonable, I cannot work there anymore. I've got to find a better place. It's it, it just, it just the worst place ever. And they go to someplace else, and I'll be it's the same way there. Nothing changed. The reason that nothing changed is because God knows where we're at. It's not an accident. He knows we're going to go through these things. Sometimes he's got us in a place or a situation that seems to be barren, but all he's doing is teaching us a lesson about his sovereignty. God is not going to abandon the church today. You see, I'm not sure about this sermon being applicable for here. Believe me, it is. Because in the minds of people sitting in the pews, sometimes there rests a different projection than what people see. A lot of people's minds today are defeated because of pandemic, because of Putin. One more P and I could preach a sermon, amen? But that's where we find ourselves. We need to learn when God says no, he is sovereign. And we need to learn that he is sovereign when he says to do what seems to make no sense to us. God is in charge. Now, secondly this morning, sowing and famine always involves sacrifice. You have to give up what little you have now in order to reap bountifully later. Did you ever wonder about old Isaac when he went out there to sow the seed? All he had left was a little bit of seed, and I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry, I, my my first impulse is not to pick what I've got and put it in the ground. It would I would be looking at how long are those things going to last me, you know how how long can I live on baked potatoes? But instead, God says, "Go ahead and use what you've got." In a time that does not seem To be really advantageous and let me be the one who brings the harvest. God will bring a harvest into your life, into your church, into your work, into your relationships. If you just say, I'm going to sacrifice here and now in order to get the bounty that God has promised me later on. Now, holding on to what little bit that you got left will never suffice for what's needed after the famine. If Isaac had taken some of those potatoes and decided to make French fries, he would not have had that bountiful harvest that he ended up with. He had to use it. And it's our nature to preserve what we've got left. Instead of trying to reclaim what we've lost, we try to hang on to what we've got. And the church of today has lost a lot. I, I, I know that you all might not have that problem here but I, all over America, people have adopted the hold on mentality. Hold on to what we got. That's what's important. Friend, I want you to know that's not God's way at all. He wants you to rightfully claim what belongs to you. In your home, in your, in your family life, in your church life, and in your individual life, God wants you to be strong because we're going to have to stand strong in a time of famine in order to reap the harvest later on, you know. Most of you have heard about Thomas Aquinas. You know Thomas Aquinas. You, you, you know as much about Thomas Aquinas as you do potatoes. I can see it already. Thomas Aquinas was a a, a brilliant speaker, writer. Uh, he was a Catholic, by the way, and he, uh, he he got to go and and meet. I believe in it was in the twelve hundreds. He got to go and meet with. Uh, the Pope at the time, the Pope's name was Innocent. I don't think he was, but anyway, that was his name, and so he went to see him, and uh, uh, the the, the Pope was so uh, in one way enthralled with him being there and him being so famous at the moment, but also kind of upset with him because he kept writing things about that church that uh, he, he found wrong with it. And the Pope said, come and let me show you, Thomas Aquinas, what God has done. And he took him and showed him the treasury in St. Peter's Basilica. And he said, look at all this. Sure enough, there was gold there and silver and jewels and all sorts of things. And the Pope pointed at that and said, Thomas Aquinas, no longer can we say silver and gold have we none. To which Thomas Aquinas responded, neither can we say, take up your bed and walk. The church has forgotten that the real power is not in what it looks like, it's what lies underneath. And we ought not be hanging on to things right now that look like they're really worth something, instead of saying, "You know what? Right now, we're going to be the kind of church that's going to go out here into highways and byways and bring people to Christ." Friend, I don't know if you realize or not, but you have a wonderful opportunity right here. Wonderful. I don't understand why. I know your pastor; he's he's uh, he's lost his his youthful figure a long time ago, too much pie and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? You've got a man who loves the Lord. And you've got an awesome church. I don't know everybody here anymore. You know why? Because it grows so quickly that I don't know everyone. That's sort of a a downer. I used to know everyone here. But, But you know what? I'm glad to see all the new faces. Because, you see, people are coming because they sense something is happening that they ought to be a part of. And so I want you to understand something this morning. Even though the whole world looks like it's getting ready to flip upside down, and you might even be saying, what is the use? I've got all this going on. I've got the pandemic going on. My money, I'm paying $4.55 a gallon for gasoline. Brother John, how can it get any worse? It can get worse when you sit by and let the world go to hell while all that has got your attention. Instead, get your mind on Jesus and on the people that he wants to save and fill this place many times to the glory of God. That's what God wants done. Amen? That, my friend, is sowing in a time of famine when it doesn't look like that it's going to be too wise. You have to almost replace logic with faith. You know what? I'm not even sure that's, that's right. I think you must do it. See, logic says I'll wait till times are better and then I'll prosper. But faith says if I give up what I have now, He who is my supply will give me more when I need it. That's the mentality that we ought to adopt. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 11 through 16, we find these words. As she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray you, a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have not a cake, But a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we can eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as you have said, but make me therefore, or thereof, I'm sorry, a little cake first, and bring it to me. And after... Then you can make for you and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. You know what? It was faith that that man was telling her the word of God that caused that woman to take what little bit she had left and do what God said to do with it. And had she not done that, they would have eaten what little bit they had left and had died from starvation. But instead... She had faith, and because she had the faith, God fixed it miraculously. It's kind of like those little fish that uh, they were gathering up for Jesus, you know, uh, trying to feed the 5,000. I I still, I can't get this out of my head, how how people must have wondered that we're witnessing these kind of things. How's that happening? Because they take out and it's just filled right back up, you know? Uh, here, here's these these little fish, you know, like little sardines. I'm, I'm going I'm to hand out some of these fish here. And and uh, wait a minute, there's still some in the basket, you know. And I, 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 Peter's pretty stubborn. You do know that, right? He was a Baptist preacher, and he was very stubborn. And so I can just see him right now. Every time he take one out, he'd look down there, and there was another one there. And I, I suspect that Peter must have thought for a time or two, this ain't right. How can that be happening? You know, sometimes God is doing a work in our midst and we, we just don't realize that it's him that's doing that. We, we, we try to give credit for everything else or try to figure out why that's happening. It just isn't logical that that can take place. It wasn't logical to that woman to, to say, here, here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what I got and I'm going to make you a cake with it. Now there's nothing left. And, and all the time God is saying, no, you go look in the barrel, I'll fill it up. You, you go look at, at, at the meal, I'll show you exactly what I can do with that. But you've got to be able to give up your logic and use, on, use your faith on the same thing. You have to cut off all means of retreat once you've made the decision to sow in famine. The, the 12th verse there says, Then Isaac sowed in the land, that's in our text, I'm sorry, and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. That means that once he had invested all that he had in the place where God had told him to stay, he was bound to stay. Now listen to what I just said. Isaac only had a little bit of seed. And once he put it in the ground, he was obligated to stay. He had no other place to go. All of his hope was on that seed that he had put in the ground. Sometimes when you invest in something with your faith instead of your logic, you'll find that you have to stay where you've invested. Right now, people are moving around in America like, like never before. You cannot rent a house hardly in America. Can't find a place to buy that you can afford anymore. If you've got a used car, boy, you want to hang on to that thing just for a little while longer. Who knows what it might be worth? My wife and I have a 2020 Nissan out there, uh, just a little old black Nissan Altima, not fancy. I paid $20,000 cash for that car. That was thirty-seven thousand miles ago, in two years. I checked it the other day to see what it was worth. I was at the dealership. It's worth twenty-four thousand right now. See what what we're what we're seeing right now are things that just don't make sense. Everything is upside down. It just it it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me to try to plant a safety net right now. Jake, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm going to tell you anyway, sometimes when things look really good around you, if you only knew what was going on in the minds of people and what they were thinking, negativity has really had a field day lately. It's all over the place. And the only way that you can ever get past that is to say, I'm invested I'm gonna I'm gonna sow and I'm gonna wait for the crop. God has promised. It will come up. Third and and last today. God blesses those who place their dependence in Him. You know, if you're ever going to see God's promises, you have to learn how to look past your circumstances. I don't understand a lot of things in life. Uh, circumstances can really be a downer. Did you know that? How many of you have ever had news that you had bad health or something like that and all of a sudden your whole world just changed? You know, Bad circumstances. Get your mind off of God and everything else if you're not careful. I have uh, I, I, started dialysis. Do you, do you all know what dialysis is, right? You, when your kidneys quit. Well, anyway, uh, I, I opted for something called peritoneal dialysis, which means they put plumbing in my belly. You know, it's like French drain only small scale, and they they put it in and hooked it all up and everything. And and uh, so I I went to the clinic to start the process. They externalized the thing and told me I'd have that little thing sticking out my belly for the rest of my life. And and uh, when I I uh, started to drain the stuff. Now, I, the circumstances are already a little bit bad, okay? Because when your kidneys quit, that's that's a big deal. And so I wasn't real fond of that at all. And I wasn't fond of the surgery, and I wasn't fond of anything that they had done to me so far. But they put it in, and it wouldn't drain out. And they couldn't figure out why. So recently, they sent me for an x-ray, and they said, well, it's put in wrong. It's put in too high, and so what I have to do every morning by the way, I was doing that this morning at five o'clock is uh sit on the side of bed and and do this i i nothing on me works anymore I'm old, but I've got the strongest stomach muscles you've ever seen in your life. I've just been been doing this you know and, and what basically what I've done is made myself a pump, you know and i and the Lord has provided so greatly. listen to this. Even put something there that I can get hold of and push up on. Why is that funny? But seriously, a hundred without it and a hundred with it, and it all comes out. And so I asked the other day the doctor, I said, Well, what does this mean? He said, You're the pump. What happens if I can't do that anymore? he said, you get to do it all over. They do the, the whole thing over. Circumstances look terrible, right? That, that, that's not a very good outlook. I'm 78 years old, going to go to heaven before long anyway, but that, that's circumstances. Now, circumstances can get your mind off of things to the point where you can't be any good to anybody except yourself. Amen? Sometimes even that is not good. But if you will just look past the circumstances, God has opportunities waiting for you. I told you I retired for the second time. I'm also in the process of getting my name into the association in Springfield, Missouri, where there's 85 Southern Baptist churches in the same town, and I hope to be preaching somewhere every Sunday until the Lord comes to get me. Amen? Amen. You don't stop because circumstances are bad. What you do is start looking past those things and say, God, you've got me here for a reason right now. What's on the other side of what you're taking me through? That's the good news for you today. There's always the other side, and God wants you there. God wants this church there. I'm convinced of that. have been for many, many years. God will bless you if you sow right now in time of famine like never before. Don't overlook his promises because of the circumstances that surround you. You know, if Isaac had gone on down to Egypt, he might, have, he might have found that those who run to Egypt stay there a long time. If he had not just stopped right there where nobody thought anything would grow and planted, he might have been in Egypt for the entire duration of his life and who knows how much longer but he didn't he trusted God this might seem like it's, it could fall on deaf ears today because uh, I chose this kind of message to open with but I want you to listen to me just a moment longer not long I promise I'm not here For any reason, except I still believe this place on this hill, God has chosen for a particular purpose. And it does not matter what it looks like. You're not here by accident. You're here for a reason. You are playing a pivotal role in what is happening in this place right now. So I want to encourage you, do not look around you today at what Putin is doing in Ukraine or look around you at what the economy is looking like in America right now. Don't, don't stand in front of the toilet paper rack and say, woe is us. Instead, I challenge you today to say right now is the most opportune time to really start doing things, great things for our God. And I know you've seen a lot of folks saved and a lot of folks baptized. Praise the Lord for that. But right now, I'm going to ask you to make a decision this morning. Decisions are are made every Sunday. Some people decide to do what God has asked them to do. Some people decide to go on their way and forget everything you said. Everybody here is going to make a decision. But I want to ask you today to to just look at the situation that the world's in right now, and and you know how you've been thinking about that when you've been watching the TV screen and what all that's going on. And in spite of all that, I want to challenge you to get on your knees before God today and say, God, I'm ready to make this a serious meeting, one in which we start really bringing people in here in, in great great numbers because the harvest is very near. How many of you believe the Lord is coming back? Do you? How many of you believe he's coming back very soon? I do. I don't know about you all. I I didn't see very many hands go up then, but I believe it. All this is not by accident. But don't run to Egypt. Church, make a commitment today. We're going to stand on the word of God. And we're going to build a great work for God, greater than anything we could have imagined. A harvest that's a hundredfold. So, would you please stand right now, all over the place, no one looking around? Uh, bow your heads if you would. Let me ask you how many of you, right this very moment, know that if you left this world, Jesus all of a sudden got up off his throne in glory and came to this earth to take his church home. How many of you are sure that you would go with him? Go ahead and raise your hands if you're sure. I'm on my way, Brother John. I would go. All right. Put your hands down. Now, I want to ask you a question. Do you know why you could not raise your hand just now? Because the word of God says there's only one way one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. And you have to call upon that name. The word says you have to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead if you're going to be saved. That's the requirement. And that seems like it's so simple, but yet that that horn could blow in heaven at any moment. It is so near. You can almost, almost hear the trumpet begin to sound. Don't leave here today without knowing that if he came today, you would go with him to spend eternity in heaven. Here's how you can know. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you're not sure you would go to heaven if Jesus came for you today. If you raise your hand, I give you my word. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. All I'll do is pray for you in just a moment. And many of you, I don't even know your names. I, I, I wouldn't know how to, how to I, I won't embarrass you. That's a promise. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to tell the preacher who you were. I don't even know who you are. But I will ask you to just be honest before God. If you're not sure you would go to heaven, if the Lord came back right now, would you just be honest enough to slip up your hand and by doing so you'll be saying, "Let, you know, and pray for me too, preacher. Is there anyone here today in this room that would just slip up your hand and indicate by doing so that you want to know for sure before the day comes that you have to stand before the judge? Is there anyone anywhere? So far I haven't seen a hand I want to make sure I'm clear. If you do not know that if you died right now, you would not go to hell, but you would go to heaven, let me pray for you. If that is you, you have my word, no tricks. I won't bother you at all. Just pray. Would you slip up your hand and let me pray for you? I don't see a hand. All right, head still bowed, eyes still closed. If you know somebody right now that's lost, somebody that you really care about, but you're not sure that they would go to heaven if the Lord came back right now, I want to ask you if you would be willing to commit today to pray for them until you see God save them. You need to get one on your heart, at least one. We have a little thing in our church, our new pastor there has, has, has put on everybody's mind, he said, who's your one? Who is that one person that you can reach? I'm going to ask you today, as we start our invitation, if you would, would you bring those people to the Lord today, kneel before him and say, Lord, please, save my friend, my, my, my husband, my wife, my, my child, whomever it might be. Would you do that just now as we begin? You come right now. Come on. Altars are open. You come and pray for them. If you know somebody who needs him, would you come?